Sex sells. Anybody ever heard that? Right? Anybody disagree? No, absolutely not. You're like, this is a really weird way to start off a message. You're dang right it is. We're going to have fun tonight. Um, but it's not just sex that sells. <laughs> yeah, Sonny's on board. <laughs> um, it's not just sex that sells, though, right? It's the, it's the uh, enticement of money and wealth, right? The, the allure of, of power um, that, that our flesh um, pursues, right? That it lusts after. Uh, the title of tonight's message, it was not a typo online. It's Bow Chicka Wow Wow. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, you're probably one of the kids in the audience. Um, um, but what we want to talk about tonight is lust. I want to talk about lust, which is incredibly uncomfortable. And you may be sitting here and saying, man, Pastor Aaron, I'm in a healthy marriage. I don't struggle. Well, you're probably lying. Um, not about the healthy marriage, but people are people, right? And, and lust, um, one of the things where we have this great misconception is it's only about sex. And that is not true at all, right? Again, we, we can lust after power. We can lust after money. Um, but more often than not, it is associated and tied to our sexual nature and our, our sexual drive that, that God's created us with. In, in and of itself, it's not unhealthy, right? God has created us as sexual beings. God created sex um, for the confinements of marriage, right? And, and when we begin to break those things and feed appetites outside of God's design, not only have we fallen into sin and fallen away from God's will, um, but we've, we've caused these things within us to grow to unhealthy places. And when we do that, they often, I would say always, find themselves completely out of control and destructive in our lives. And so again, we want to talk about lust. Lust is both a desire for the wrong thing and a wrong desire for an otherwise good thing. That may sound confusing. So we can lust after things that are wrong. Um, I, I would make the argument that in, addiction, in an addiction, we lust for substances, right? There is a, an uncontrollable desire in us to pursue something that satisfies only the flesh. That's lust. And we can lust after a good thing. Again, as we just talked about, sex and marriage is beautiful. It's of God. And, and that's his creation. Outside of it, it's not of God. And it's lustful, it's sinful, and it's destructive in our lives. And so we're going to talk about these things tonight. And we tend, again, to think of it as primarily um, as having inappropriate, intense feelings of physical attraction. But it's not the case at all. That's a small part of it. It's a small part of it. And we want to begin to unpack this and to view it in a way that God's called us to. And the reason being is sex does sell, right? And sex sells because that's what we fight for. We fight to satisfy the cravings of our flesh and the things that we desire uncontrollably, but it's the wrong fight. God's called us to fight for chastity, for restrainment in our lives, right? And control, self-control. But we fight the wrong fight often, and so we want to talk about fighting the right fight. And so again, we think of it as intense physical attraction but it's possible to lust after or covet just about anything, just about anything. And when we step into that brokenness, you know, it starts maybe with peering through a window. I'm not talking about being a peeping Tom or anything. That's just weird. I know where your minds are going, Mike. Um, <clears throat> but it starts with that window, right? And it just grows and grows and grows. And, and I would wager 
Every single one of us in here has stepped into some form of this at some point. And I would wager that many of us struggle with something of this nature currently. Um, and it's one of those things that hand in hand with, with addictions of every kind, we see this, this uncontrollable desire to satisfy our flesh. And so when talking about when talking about this, Jesus said this about the seed of truth of the gospel in Mark 4, verses 18 through 19. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out. I want to pause right there. Um, many of you have probably heard this parable. Jesus was talking. He was talking about um, the gospel, the good news, right? The message that he spreads out and some lands on good soil, some lands among the thorns and rocky soil and all this. And this is the parable that we see here. Um, and he says, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things. So no fruit, say no fruit. No fruit is produced. And so really what he's talking about there is it fell among lustful pleasures of the world, right? Things that, that enticed us, that dragged us away um, from the good news that, that God presented the message of the gospel that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and authority of all, then you'll be saved. But it's kind of like, yeah, but I mean, she's really sexy. I know she's not my wife, but maybe I can still do this. And that's the thing that pulls us away. Or I know I'm not supposed to, to covet money in such a way and pursue wealth at the sacrifice of my faith and of salvation, but... And we start to make these excuses. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the message. Falling among things like this, the lust of the world, the lust of the flesh, the things that our eyes crave and desire, but they're not from God. And so he says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And so tonight, I want you to consider as we move forward, what kind of soil have you prepared in your life and in your heart for the reception of God's word, for the message of the good news, the gospel of truth here? What kind of soil do you represent? And so what is pulling at your heart? Is it sex? Sexual temptation is everywhere these days. And again, that's a big focus because that's a big part of it. Many of us, if not all of us, have struggled in this area at one time or another. And so it's everywhere. But what determines if it's harmful or not is how a person reacts to it. A study from Christianity Today shows that 45% of Christians indicate having done something sexually inappropriate and 23% having extramarital intercourse, affairs. Well, that's, that's alarming. That's within the church. Roughly 40 million Americans click on porn sites regularly. Approximately 25% of all search engine queries are for pornographic material, and an estimated 35% of all downloads on the internet are pornographic in nature. So that's why it's a big part of the conversation tonight. That's crazy. I, I just thought about all the things that I've Googled today alone, and it's staggering. What if, what if a quarter of them were things of this nature? I mean, because that's what the statistic represents. And when we look at that average, 45% of Christians, there's a good chance out of the over 200 people in this room tonight that, that half of you fall into this category. And if you don't directly, you indirectly do because you know somebody 
who falls into this category, who struggles in these things. And so I don't want you to disengage. I don't want you to have the mindset that it's not you. And it may not be you, but you likely know somebody that it is. And not only are we called to grow in maturity and grow in our faith, but we're called to reach into the world and help the people around us. So if it's not for you directly, maybe it's for a loved one, maybe it's for its family member. And if it's not sexual lust, are you unhealthy when it comes to desire for power, desire for wealth or something else? Don't shut down, don't close off. I encourage you to be open-minded tonight. Open your heart, your ears to what God may have for you. And so tonight as we start, I want you to open your Bibles to James 1. Now we're going to look at three truths regarding lust. Um, And keep in mind again, it doesn't have to be sexual, though that's going to be the context of a lot of the conversation tonight. I'm not going to say anything inappropriate that, you know, kids can't hear um, (laughs) that nature. I promised my wife I'd do my best to keep it PG. Um, So I'm going to try to abide by that. And if, uh, if you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to go to the YouVersion Bible app. All of the notes we have on the screen plus more are available if you go to the events tab on that. We put that there every week for you. But James 1, starting in verse 12, it says this. James was the half-brother of Jesus, by the way. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted... Do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. I want to pause right there because I've heard a lot of people in the church say that God is testing them through temptation. God does not tempt you. No temptation in your life has ever or will ever come from God. There's opportunities, not opportunities, there's times where God may allow something to take place through just your unhealthy, sinful nature, that he doesn't stop. But that's not God tempting you. It's God allowing you to put yourselves in situations. Um, I know one time in the gospel, um, Jesus was talking to Peter, and he says, Satan has asked to sift you. Um, and you can tell by the nature of the conversation that, that God was allowing that to take place in Peter's life. Now, it was not God tempting him, but God allowed it to happen. And so God does not tempt um, In verse 14, it says, temptation comes from our own desires. Say own desires. desires. Which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, again, temptation comes from our own desires. And so Satan cannot create a temptation in us. He can present us with stuff that entices us. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, But when it comes to the things that that pull us away, unfortunately, it's not the devil's fault, right? It's not the powers of spiritual darkness that have created something in you. it's, It's our flesh, Right, our sin nature that, that we have inside of us. And it, it's the thing that pulls us away. It's our own desires tempting us. And that's why it's important to submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit, right? To submit ourselves to God, to know his word and plant it in our heart so that we have tools to push back and fight against, first and foremost, our own desires. For many of us, God doesn't have to do anything, right? Our own stupidity and our own immaturity does far more than enough. And Satan and the 
principalities and, and all of these things, they don't have to even get involved. We burn our own lives down. And so again, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And point number one is this, we must have an awareness of what entices us. You know you. You know the things that, that trigger you. You know the things that look appealing to you. If you have weak spots in your life, you need to be aware of those. It's not everyone else's job to hold your hand. You're not a toddler, right? You're all adults. And it's your job as mature people, hopefully, and as you grow in maturity and faith to guard your heart and to guard your mind. Now, hopefully people come alongside you and help you in those areas. But ultimately, it's your desires and therefore your responsibility to know what looks attractive to your flesh, what looks attractive to your lustful eyes. If you're an alcoholic, you probably shouldn't spend much time in a liquor store. I would say you probably should spend no time in the liquor store, right? Because that would be a great trap, right? It would be enticing. Don't go there. Don't do that. I've used this before, but when I quit drinking, that was kind of my last thing. I quit doing, using drugs for the most part before I started dealing with my alcoholism. Um, and, and I stopped for the longest time even going inside of gas stations. Why? Alcohol's everywhere. Why am I going to put that in front of me? I was aware that that was a weak spot and I needed to grow in maturity and strength and grow with God before I could step foot into a quit trip again. I had to go six months without a taquito. It was terrible, right? <laughs> you have to know. You have to know. If you struggle with, with women, you probably should not have Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok, or Facebook on any of your devices because it's full of trash and it's full of trashy people putting trashy pictures on there, right? It, it's, you've got to be aware. And, and if you're lusting after women and you're putting it in front of you, it's not Satan at work in your life. Again, you're just an idiot. Take responsibility for you and begin to put those things away. And if you need to take it a step further, you can put blockers on your device. Give somebody else the password. Lock yourself out of it again. We must be aware of what entices us. We must operate in awareness of our own lives. We're adults, not children. Stop asking people to baby you through your recovery. Stop asking people to baby you in your marriage. It's not your wife's job. It's not your husband's job to hold your hand and keep you in line every step of the way. We have to step up. We have to deal with the lusts in our lives. The natural progression of unrestrained lust. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desires and enticed. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, right? It starts with looking. It, it starts with dwelling, and, and I, love, uh, I love Mike. Mike has a great story. It wasn't too long ago, um, a few months ago, and he, he was doing 
He's doing great. He's doing great in his recovery, man. I'm so proud of him. Known him for a long time. Best he's ever done. And, and I, he is the best story I've ever heard of anybody. He found himself in a situation where he was alone and he stumbled upon a bottle of whiskey. That's his weak spot, right? He dwelled on it for just a moment. He tried to ignore it. And when he realized that it was toying with his mind, he took a picture of it, he sent it to me, and he called me and he said, I need help, right? Because he's not going to let it dwell, right? That's what we have to learn to do. We have to learn. We have to learn that when we, when we give these thoughts room in our mind, they conceive and they turn to sin. It doesn't start that way. It gives birth to it over time. So according to this passage, sinful lust begins with an evil desire, being tempted is not a sin. Even Jesus faced temptation. The sin begins when the evil desire drags us away. When we subject ourselves to it. From where our hearts need to be. When an evil desire introduces itself, we have a choice. We can reject it as Jesus did and focus on the path that God has set before us. We see that in Matthew 4, 8 through 10. It says, Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain, that's his Jesus, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, Jesus being tempted. If you kneel down and worship me, Jesus' response, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him, right? We have to react that way when we're being enticed, but we have to be aware of what entices us. Otherwise, we entertain it. And when we entertain it, it gives birth to sinful actions and desires. Again, point number one, we must have an awareness of what entices us. In that passage, it said, which entices us and drag us away. Um, the word there, if you look at the Greek, it, it actually um, is like bait. Um, anybody in here fish, right? I mean, that's it. Man, what, do you, what do you guys do with your life? I, don't even, I, I fish a little even. Um, anyways, man. I thought we were in Oklahoma. Just disappointed. Anyways, you throw the bait out there. I don't even want to do the story anymore. You guys have just ruined it for me. Just ruined it all. Just ruined it all. So, anyways, uh, you know, I've taught all my kids to fish. And, um, you know, there's a couple things that you have to do when doing that. One, you have to go where the fish are. You can't, you can't go where they're not. And, uh, you know, so you find those sweet spots, those honey holes. And, and you, so you've got to go where they're at. But the thing that you've got to do even in that moment, right, the conditions have to be right. Um, you can't, I mean, you can, but it, it's best if you fish at certain times, certain water temperatures, just depending on what you're fishing for, all of that, right? And, and so the conditions have to be right. Um, and then you have to entice it, right? And, and you fish with a bait. You throw it out there, a lure, right? Something that, that entices them to bite it. And it looks like something healthy. It looks like something good, but it's not. It's a trap. And the same happens in our lives. Things are presented and we're hungry, right? Our flesh is hungry. Our desires are hungry. And maybe the thing we're hungry for in and of itself isn't all that bad, but we settle for something that's, that's fraud. We settle for something that's not genuine to fulfill what we're missing or what we desire in our life, but it, it's bait that drags us away. So when a fish sees the wiggling worm, he's enticed by it, he grabs hold, and the hook is set, and he's drug away. 
And the same happens to us. Um, I want us to do this as we kind of look at that type of idea. I want us to look at 2 Timothy 2.20. This is a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And it says this, um, starting in verse 20, it says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. Some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones for everyday use. So it's kind of backwards now, right? Um, When we're eating every day, we have the the cheap flatware we bought at Walmart. Um, And then when company comes over, we get out the nice plastic to throw it away. But used to, people did it backwards, right? You had the silver that you brought out, not the paper plates. So bear with me. That's kind of how context has changed here. Um, But But he says this, if you keep your life pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Again, it's backwards. I'm not saying you're going to be plastic flatware. Um, Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Um, And so he gives this picture, right, of being holy, of being set apart. And that's what we're called to. And that's where we miss it. You know, the sad thing is when we see statistics on pornography usage, and when we see statistics on divorce rates and and substance abuse in the church, it's identical to what it looks like out there. The church no longer looks any different than the rest of the world, but we're called to look different. We're called to be holy and set apart, and that's what Paul's talking to Timothy about here, right? That that we should be like the more expensive utensils, that, that, are, that we care for our lives, we care for our words, we care for our actions. We're, we're set apart for God's special work, but we miss it. And then he says this, he says, run, say run. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Now, this is not just the youthful, uh, youthful lust of the 13-year-old in the, in the classroom, right? It, it's more than that. Run away from anything that stimulates youth, youthful lust. I can't talk tonight. Instead, say instead. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So he, he talks about being set apart, and then he says run away from youthful lust. Well, why is that? Because the rest of the world runs towards that right? That they, they just welcome it. It's become a virtue over sexualization, right? It's kind of this thing. You see all the kids running around half naked anymore, and it just gets worse and worse and worse, and, and, and their moms are running around with them too. It's just crazy, and, and we just run towards these things, and, and in the church, outside of the church, it doesn't matter, but we're called to be set apart. We're called to look different, right? And, and if it's not that, we pursue power, the same way the rest of the world does, right? The lust of being in control and lording things over the people around us. And that's not what God called us to, right? He's called us to humble ourselves to those around us. We pursue money like the rest of the world and we give everything for power and for wealth and for sexual pleasure and things of that nature. But again, Paul's addressing Timothy. He said, no, you're a special utensil set apart for God's work. Run from those things. Run from it. It's interesting that so many times when addressing sin in the Bible, God, you know, gives this picture of us standing and fighting, right? Unless it comes to things like this. And it's what? Run. 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 We must run away from the baits of Satan, right? When, we, when we're looking at those things that entice us, that are set up to drag us away, we have to be aware of what they are. Be aware of the fact that somebody's fishing for your soul, right? In eternity, looking to drag you away from the things of God. And when you see it, don't take it. Don't toy with it. Don't entertain it. Do what? 
Run, run from it. We need to run away from the baits of Satan. Run away from them. Again, in these youthful lusts, these youthful lusts, man, if you, if you ever wonder what they are, talk to a 14-year-old about what they want to do with their lives. They'll tell you they want to be a YouTube influencer and make lots of money. That, that's right there. tells you that's youthful lust. You want to know what youthful lust is, right? Go around a bunch of 14, 15-year-old boys. That'll give you a great picture of what he's talking about here. These things that youth struggle with in their immaturity, in their brokenness, as they're battling the flesh, becoming young adults. But you know what? You were supposed to grow out of that. You weren't supposed to stay there into your 30s, into your 40s, into your 50s. You were supposed to mature and, and learn to, to run away from those situations, to recognize and have an awareness of things that entice you. And when you see it, go the opposite direction. Run from youthful lust. Flee means to take off, and we see this. I love the story of Joseph, right? When he's in um, Potiphar's, um, some people call it Potiphar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some, only a few get it. Um, sorry, it's just for you. Um, anyways, when Joseph found himself in, his, in Potiphar's wife, sorry. Uh, sorry, it's such an inside joke. Uh, tried to entice him. I'm going to tell you guys. I'm going to tell you guys. So, so Adam teaches our kids. It's great. He helps in there um, with Ashley. And he was teaching on this story. And instead, instead of saying Potiphar, he kept calling it Potiphar. And, and so one of the people in the kids' room had to correct him. It was the very first time he taught over in the kids. And so I have to ridicule him for it any chance I get. Now this is um, forever on the internet. So... But when Joseph was faced with that temptation, he didn't stick around. He ran away. He ran away naked, right? I mean, he didn't even get his clothes. She, she grabbed his garment. He's like, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not even getting my pants, right? And that's the type of attitude and mentality we have to have. If you're sitting around in your homie's house and they break out the dope pipe, run out naked if you have to, get away from it. Don't sit there playing with it and saying, ah, I'm good. I'm good. We can watch the game, but I don't want none of that. No, get the heck out of there. Get the heck out of there. If you find yourself in a situation with somebody you shouldn't be around with, and it's, it's of anything, get out. Run away. Do not toy with the things that entice you. They're set up to drag you away. We have to understand how to deal with lust. We have to understand how weak we can be. You have to operate in awareness have to operate in awareness. We must run away from the baits of Satan. Jesus made it clear too that, that even settling these things in our heart can be a sin. He said this in Matthew 5, 27 through 28, you've heard it. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in her heart. And, and that goes for so much, right? It's a sin in the heart. If we've reconciled it and toyed around with it and played with it too much, we're guilty of it anyways. Whether it's something sexual or not, whether it's anger, pride, it doesn't matter. That it's not just the action, it's the condition here. And so often we think, well, I didn't do it, so I didn't do anything wrong. No. The moment it starts to toy with your mind, 
get out of there before it takes your heart, before it takes your heart. Um, I want us to do this as we look at point number three. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 10. Now we're going to be looking at verse 3. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. And he says this, We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You see, it's only when our hearts are dedicated to the glory of God that we can overcome intrusive desires and conquer lust. We, when we surrender to the Lord, we find our needs met in relationship with him. We have to understand that the battle doesn't start here. It starts up here in our mind that we can't wait for it to enter the physical. We have to realize that the, the war we're waging is a spiritual one. We have to realize that it deals with our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions, and we wait far too often for it to present itself out here before we invite people in, tell them what's going on, before we go to God in prayer, and we should have started fighting way back here the moment we saw it and realized that's a weak spot for me. And, and if you missed it there, the moment it was dangled and you started to toy with it in your mind, you should have gotten off the off-ramp there and said, no, it's not for me. But, but we wait until it has us. We wait until we fall. And then we tell people. I can't tell you how, how often people have come to me. Well, I relapsed. Would you tell anybody? That's what I'm doing now. That's not how it works, stupid. <laughs> like, no. Cheated on my spouse. Yeah, I, I think I need to confess that. Why didn't you confess the thought before the action? Then your marriage could still be intact. Right? I mean, man, I, I, I gambled my house payment away. Okay, like, you had to drive to the casino. Like, your phone didn't work all the way there. You just want to reach out now that you're broke? Uh, that, that's the, but that's what we do, and we've got it all backwards. We can't help you on this side. Like, it, it's got to be before. And so we have to realize this. Point number three, we must capture the thoughts that led us to temptation to begin with. We've got to back it up. God, it's reminded me of that meme. Said, back it up, Terry. Back it up. Um, <laughs> We've got to back it up, got to back it up, Terry, and get the thoughts that led to the sin. Get the thoughts that led to the action. Don't wait till you're in the middle of it. Romans 12, verse 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Again, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Like Paul told Timothy, be holy and set apart. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. That, that's where it starts. This, this is the war. This is the battlefield. It's, it's not out here. 
And to win it, you need to get on your knees. You need to get in your Bible. You need to get in the presence of God. Don't wait till you've messed up. Don't wait till you lost everything. Back it up, Terry, and get back there when it matters. When it matters. Again, point number three, we must capture the thoughts that led us to the temptation to begin with. I want us to do this. Right where you're at, I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. I want you to spend a moment with God. I want to share a psalm with you. It's Psalm 1914, and it says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so as you're sitting there tonight, again, head bowed, eyes closed, in the presence of God, make this your prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Again, may the, may the words of my mouth, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, I thank you for everyone who's here tonight. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your truth with them, for us to learn together, God, to challenge our paradigms and our situations, Lord. And Father, our prayer tonight is that the, the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, Lord, that they would be pleasing to you. God, the things we think about, that they would please you, God. And I pray that you would give us the strength to capture rebellious thoughts. Give us an awareness, God, of things that entice us. Help us to run away, Lord, from the bait set by the enemy. And help us to, to humble ourselves to you and to pursue you in every way that's pleasing to you, Father. And we thank you, Lord for all that you'll do and all that you've done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. So what's the application? In James, it says we must not just listen to God's word, right? But we need to be doers of God's word. And so we have some action steps with you. Number one is this, evaluate yourselves and know your triggers. N know what the enemy puts in front of you. It's your fault if you fall for it. So you see, best be aware. Number two, identify the holes that you're attempting to satisfy. We all have a God-sized hole in our lives. And until we encounter the risen Christ, we'll keep trying to stuff things in there that were never meant to be there. So know the holes you're trying to fill that you're attempting to satisfy. And number three, learn healthy ways to redirect yourselves towards God's avenues of satisfaction. Sometimes lust is us trying to pursue something that's of God in an unhealthy way. And so know the things that aren't from God, put them down, and know the areas that you're trying to meet something that God put inside you the wrong way. 
And so all of this, it begins with a relationship with Jesus, right? Because we've got to fill that hole, that God-sized hole. And so I don't know where you're at tonight, but I know this. The greatest decision that I ever made was to become a Jesus follower. And I know this, the greatest decision you could ever make is to become a Jesus follower, right? A Christian. And so that's where we recognize that Jesus was the son of God, that he died for us so that we could be saved and forgiven and when we make him Lord. And so if you want to do that tonight, here in just a moment, we're going to have some, some people down at the front that would love to pray with you and for you so you can make the greatest decision of your life tonight to follow him forever. And number two, maybe you're in here and you've gotten off track, you've missed it, you've messed up, you've fallen away. And you just want to know, can I recommit? Can I, can I have a second chance or a third chance? Absolutely. And so if you're in here tonight, you want to recommit. Same offer here in just a moment. We're going to have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you tonight so you can recommit. And then maybe God's just been dinging you and seeing that right there. Whew, that's, that's lust in your heart. That's unhealthy. I, I want to deal with that. And God's been pressing pressing on you about something, I want to encourage you to come pick up one of these white chips. It's nothing special. It's just a piece of plastic. But when we act in faith, knowing that God will move, I believe he's faithful to do so. And so if you need to come out of your seat and surrender tonight, I want you to do that, to come pick up a white chip and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. This is a house of prayer. We would love to pray with you and for you. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to invite you to come down front and join us. And if everybody, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.